0: This is Daniel Gallardo, and you're listening to the Tenkara Cast, a podcast about the simple Japanese method of fly fishing, Tenkara. In the Tenkara Cast, we'll be sharing information on techniques, history, philosophy, and Tenkara stories from anglers all over the world. This podcast is brought to you by Tenkara Yosei, introducing Tenkara outside of Japan since 2009. It's only possible we create content such as this podcast and videos because of your support. So we thank you so very much for purchasing to, how do you Say Rods, Lines, and Flies. I hope you enjoy learning more about the simple method of fly fishing everyone, thanks for tuning in on the Tenkara cast again. Uh, here I am in uh, early June and today I have a guest here in the office, uh, Graham Moran, as uh, and some of you might know him as the Tenkara grasshopper. So we're going to be talking a little bit about Tenkara and his experiences with Tenkara and guiding with the method as well. Graham, thanks for joining us today. How are you? Definitely. I'm doing awesome. I'm, it's a total pleasure to be here. And uh, so, you know, let's start with your name, the Tenkara Grasshopper. Where did that come from?
1: So, the Tenkara Grasshopper actually came about sort of from um, Kwai Chang Kane, being I'm learning Tenkara and I'm still a grasshopper and I will continue to learn up until that point. So,
0: do you feel like you're still a grasshopper, still learning?
1: Yes. Every day is a new experience. That being the case, I do learn. There's a lot that I already know, but there's still... I'm always finding something new every day.
0: Well, I think that's a... I always say that's like one of the beauties of Tenkara. It's a very simple method, you know, to learn the basics, but there's always like nuances, you know. There's like tiny little things that we learn along the way.
1: Yeah. yeah, you know, it's kind of using Kabari and learning what to do with the Kabari and why is it not working, but then I just tweak one little thing and all of a sudden it works, but I don't necessarily know why
0: mm-hmm. it works. Yep, and that's... uh. You know, somebody said, like, you know, the moment we stop learning, we should just shoot ourselves because life wouldn't be as exciting anymore. So (laughs) Thank God I have Tenkara. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And uh, so tell us, uh, why don't you just give us a little bit of a background? How did you get into Tenkara? I think, you know, our listeners want to learn a little bit more about you. You have a blog sometimes you write a little bit more often sometimes you don't write so much because you have a couple of new kids and we'll probably talk a little bit about that later on but uh how did you get into tenkara
1: so it was actually kind of an accidental thing i was uh i was after christmas one year and i was flipping through a fly fishing magazine and i saw this ad for tenkara usa fly fishing simplified and i looked at it and i went what is this so i Got online, went to TenkaraUSA.com, got on the forum, started asking about it, talked to a whole bunch of people, and everybody just kind of jumped on board and welcomed welcomed me to this thing that I didn't really know anything about. And after probably 48 hours of perusing every single post on the forum and responding to forums without any sleep, by the way, um, I finally decided to order a rod, and I my first rod was a Tenkara USA Iwana 11 foot rod. Mm-hmm. And the rest is now history. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Did you fly fish before uh, Tenkara? Yes. Oh.
1: Yeah, I had, um, I started out bait fishing and then got into fly fishing when I was like 16 years old. So mm-hmm. I got into Tenkara when I was 33.
0: hmm. hmm. So. And uh, so that, how was the, how was the transition between, you know, going from Western, what we call Western fly fishing to, to Tenkara? What did you think of that?
1: You know, I think the transition was a little difficult at first for me because I was thinking like a Western fisherman. I was trying to hold the rod and because we're using a fixed line, I'm trying to think, what do I do with my left hand, which I'm normally stripping or holding line that I didn't have to. Um, so getting some of those things was a little more difficult. That being the case, I will say that going with the one fly was a lot easier for me because I wasn't trying to figure out what I was trying to match. I just threw one fly on and played with it. And when I got lucky, I got lucky.
0: Nice. So, you know, did you use a lot of flies before? I mean, like, were you one of the typical Western fly anglers with dozens of flies, you know, in Fly boxes in your pockets, or how how was your fishing before tankada?
1: When I actually cleared my fishing vest out, I had eighteen fly boxes, all divided up by species and size. So all of my midges were in one box, and I probably had close to twelve dozen of those midges in that box and once i actually emptied everything out i was about 18 fly boxes total and now i'm actually down to an altoids 10 wow of flies
0: you know i think that's uh you know probably one of the most uh challenging concepts i think of tenkara i always say that you know, I shared the idea of using one fly pattern just to show there's a different way of thinking about fly fishing that you don't have to necessarily match the hatch if that doesn't match your personality or your interests, Uh, but it's very challenging, especially if you have grown accustomed to using a variety of flies. Um, That must have been a very big transition right there, right? Huge transition,
1: trying to come to that realization that I don't need to go through my entire box to find what works. Mm -hmm. Um, I do typically carry 12 different patterns, but I typically select one pattern and that's all I will use Mm. for the day.
0: So what kind of patterns are you carrying?
1: Uh, Ishigaki Kabari, Amano Kabari, Killer Bugs, Utah Killer Bugs, Oki Kabari, um, and then a couple of my own random creations like a Red Butt Kabari. Um, so it just How has a little, indica- little indicator on the back end of it.
0: Is um, it kind of like a reverse hackle fly with a little yes. red
1: yarn on the back or something exactly, like that? Yes, uh-huh. it would be tied as a traditional Tenkara kabaddi, uh-huh. but we're actually just putting a little extra attractor on the back of it. So uh, okay. it kind of pulls that attention from those fish and they go, ooh, wait, what is that?
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So primarily, I mean, with a couple of exceptions, a lot of the Sakasa style flies, the reverse hackle style flies.
1: Yes, pr- yeah. pretty much what I've done is I've even mm-hmm. taken the patterns that are non-Sakasa, uh-huh. and I've actually turned them into Sakasas. Oh, so just you're by reversing the hackle and. Just... You're one
0: of those people who is Sakasifying yes. uh, flies. <laughs> yes. I, uh, I did. I don't know if you watched the video that I did with Jason Class here, and uh, he lives in Golden or Nevada, and. Uh, he asked me to talk about my predictions for Tenkara, and I'm like, well, I think we're going to see a continuation of the trend of saccasifying, you know, flies, Western flies, putting a reverse hackle on it, on it and calling it a Tenkata fly. So you're one of the perpetrators. So.
1: Yes, I am one of the perpetrators. <laughs> Guilty as charged.
0: <laughs> what, is your, what is one of your favorite flies to saccasify?
1: Ooh, one of my <laughs> favorites to saccassify. Um Actually, just as an experiment, I have actually tried to psicosify a San Juan worm. Huh. Why? I don't know. Will it work?
0: Does a Maybe. In, in a, I, I should be more on the loop on that, but does a San Juan, San Juan worm use a hackle typically? Or no, no,
1: it typically doesn't. It's just but a little just rubber. That, yeah, it's just rubber chenille uh-huh. that you're tying to the hook, and I just wanted to see what happened if you uh-huh. put a hackle on it. Yeah. Just from a... Why
0: not? Uh How have you done? Have you caught any fish on that?
1: I actually have caught some fish. They've been warm water fish, but I haven't caught anything in any of the rivers with that fly yet. Well,
0: you know, and that's uh, one of the things we talked a little bit about one fly, you know, simply flying flies. And I think I've mentioned quite a few times. It's not about using this one fly or a thing kind of flying, but the idea is that almost any fly within reason, you know, could work. You know, a lot of times we tend to overthink fly choices we think that the fish are going to be incredibly selective and they just want food you know so the idea is like any fly really works i think you know i think i call it one fly to begin with because most tenkara anglers in japan they have one fly and they stick with it but they're all different too and they all catch fish so it's uh i don't see why the sun one worm with a reverse hackle wouldn't work
1: well, I think it's one of those things where, like, with that history that the Japanese anglers had, they didn't have a fly shop to go to, so they had what materials were available to them. Mm-hmm. The fact that we're here and we have a fly shop within a couple miles, or of a toy of store, home. right? Yeah, it's the it's the it's the it's the man's toy store.
0: <laughs> well, but I'm actually thinking the someone warm uses like, isn't it a toy like a squishy? You
1: can use the squishy balls. Squishy yes.
0: balls with a little kind of hairy. Rubber. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know what you'd call yeah, it. Just...
1: I don't even remember what those things are. I used to have one. <laughs> but
0: those come from a toy store. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so they didn't have toy stores to go buy squishy silicone rubber
1: balls. Yeah. So they had to make something with what they had. Uh-huh. So, um, so, yeah, that's kind of why I've done that. But at the same time, as you said, it's not about necessarily just using a Tenkara fly. Some of my crazy days due to kirk warner were actually because of all of the woolly bugger i've tied a woolly bugger on and i've thrown that and i've caught fish with it
0: Mm -hmm. yep absolutely. that's you know and i think that kind of encompasses the the range you know some of us kind of simplify you know simplify just because you know we don't want to carry too much or tie too many different types of flies but you know at the same time it doesn't take away from creativity and tying just some funky flies and going see if it works i think that's a fun part of tenkara too
1: yeah exactly the Mm -hmm. video that was shot um back at the 2014 tenkara summit of the teenage mutant ninja kabari that i tied was one of those why not
0: Mm -hmm. i'll uh i'll look it up and i'll try to post these references that uh graham is making on our on our uh, podcast page, so TenkataUSA.com forward slash podcast. And uh, so I'll post a flight that he tied at the Tenkata Summit and uh, maybe a couple of the patterns that he mentioned that he carries We'll see if we can get a picture of his uh, San Juan warm uh, style fly. Um, but for those of you who are interested in seeing, what is it, the mutant ninja turtle? The
1: Teenage Mutant Ninja Kabari.
0: Yeah. Um, definitely log into to our website, tenkaryose.com forward slash podcast. Um Now, tell me about your uh, blog, uh, Excursions, uh, the Tenkara Grasshopper. First of all, where can people find that? What is the website?
1: So the website is Uh, www.tenkaragrasshopper.com. The theory behind it is, me being the Tenkara Grasshopper, is that I want to go out, try different things, be able to come back to you, and let the... Let you as a reader not have to go through the same uh, hoops that I have had to go through as I'm learning. Hopefully I can cut down some of your, your time uh, on the water where you can actually know what works and what doesn't.
0: And uh, what uh, kind of things have you written there? Like if you can give us some examples of posts and that kind of thing. So some of the
1: posts we've done are what we call um, tenkara tips, uh, notes from a tenkara guide. And those are actually little tricks that I've found along the way for rigging or uh, casting. How do I cast in the wind? Different things like that that are... The beginner will be able to use, but also somebody who's maybe a little more experienced but has maybe not necessarily come across something will actually be able to look at those same things and kind of go, wait a minute, why did I not Mm
0: -hmm.
1: why did I not get that idea?
0: And, and I keep seeing posts from you. I think the more frequent posts that I see from you, and I'm going to put you on the spot, is like, hey, I'm back. <laughs> or I'm about to be back. You know, Watch out for new posts. What's going on with that? <laughs> well,
1: I have a two-year-old and a six-month-old at home. So I finally kind of get my life in order. And everything starts working. And I'm ready to roll stuff out. And then kids happen uh. <laughs> and then i get distracted with the kids and then i have to figure out a way to get back to the website uh, so yes i've been doing a lot of that and i apologize but <laughs> it keeps you guys coming back for more <laughs>
0: and I, I thought i'd put you on the spot i mean i know the reason but i i have to tease you because it's uh yeah i think i saw one post is like hey watch out i'm about to be back and then like all of a sudden it's like Oh, actually, watch out, I'm about to have a new kid (laughs) (laughs) at one point. (laughs) So uh, hopefully, you know, I I hear that the first six months with a baby are probably the hardest. Is that, has that been your experience?
1: Very, very much so. It's even harder when you have a two-year-old that runs around the house all the time. Uh And when it gets quiet and you don't know where the two-year-old is, and you're trying to pay attention to the Mm six-month-old, and things get really exciting really quickly.
0: Yeah, so maybe in the next month or two here we'll start seeing... Yes. content from the Tenkata Grasshopper. Yes, cool. definitely. Nice. Yep. And uh, one thing that we have to do, too, is to go fishing together. You and I haven't fished together in a, in a little while. I think I've been, between your babies and my travels, it's been a little tough.
1: Yeah, it's been a little hard. I mean, we've tried to work uh, to get things well, And then, work, then we get weather and you know. And, and then we get runoff. Run off. <laughs> <laughs> Excuses.
0: There's an episode, by the way, on the uh, Tenkata podcast page where I talk about all the excuses not to catch fish. And uh, I think maybe I'll have to do an episode about excuses why we didn't get out to fish. You know, I think that might be, you and I can come up with a lot of different excuses. Yes, we can. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so let's talk a little bit about your fishing with Tenkara. You know, obviously, you know, you might have mentioned, but, you know, you learned a lot of Tenkara through The website, a lot of, you know, the writing that we've done, you also experimented a lot. Um, But tell me me a little bit about your favorite rig, you know, like what is your favorite setup to get out and uh, fish? So right now my favorite setup
1: would be the Sato rod with either a orange or pink level line, normally in like a 3.5. I generally go over the length of my rods. So right now I'm at 15 feet uh, plus three to four feet of tippet off of the end of that. And then uh, whatever fly of choice um, I mm-hmm. decide is going to work that day mm-hmm. or not work that day, as the case may be.
0: And what kinds of waters are you fishing?
1: We're, well, me, we're, sorry about that. Um, typically I'm fishing a lot of tail waters mm-hmm. in, in the area. Uh, Clear Creek uh, through the so canyon. I, th- I
0: think we might have not mentioned this. I mean, you're here in my office in Boulder, but uh, just so our listeners know, uh, Graham lives here in Denver, uh, Colorado. So that's, uh, you know, we're talking about some of the local waters nearby. And maybe you can describe a little bit about the waters that you like to fish, like, you know, how big and how closed in and that kind of thing. So
1: typically I like the slightly wider waters that have lots of pockets mm-hmm. that I can fish. Um, not super deep Uh, the the holes that are super super deep are just kind of I don't use a lot of weighted flies so therefore that deep water isn't gonna really work but I just love to fish little pocket waters and particularly going into places where most people don't go or going higher up into the mountains such as Rocky Mountain National Park outside of Wild Basin the higher you go there's awesome little creeks awesome little pocket water and little brookies that will eat anything that you put out there, <laughs> mm-hmm. but most of them are far enough off the beaten path that you're guaranteed that some of these fish and some of these holes you're going to go into, they've never seen an artificial fly, let alone a human being.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. so a good variety of waters, and uh, yeah, the sato and 15 feet of line, 3, 4 feet of tip, that's pretty much similar to what I use the most as well. Um, you know, I think you and I fish a lot of similar waters. I do, you know, sometimes I tend to go a little bit of, to the larger rivers that we have as well. I love fishing like the Arkansas and Colorado kind of rivers. Um, and then I might use the Ito as well. But, and, and I know you do too, you know, when you go to those. But pretty similar. Yeah, know, definitely. So, that, so the South Platte um, yeah. out of Deckers
1: would be an Ito water now, for me
0: I was curious too, I was actually just talking to somebody online about lines and we're actually about to release a couple of new lines that I'll make sure that you take home with you but have you experimented with a lot of different types of lines because you, you now you use the level line but um, have you tried a lot of different types
1: I have tried a lot of different types uh, I've tried obviously the, the furrowed lines uh, that were kind of the originals or sort of the, the teaching line so to speak uh, I've used some of the, the tungsten lines, few of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find with certain rods, you have to balance the weight of those lines with the rod. I feel sometimes like a tungsten line can sometimes overpower a rod mm. or
0: it's hard if I'm using t- a
1: heavier, if I'm using a heavier rod. Well, a titanium with, line, with, I guess is what Yes, the titanium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, with, you know, like say an Imago, a level line I tend to I tend to find maybe is just a little too soft for mm-hmm. the stiffness of that rod so mm-hmm. that's when I'd look at like a titanium or you know something or a weighted line yeah. that will just kind of balance what mm-hmm. it is just like you would with a western rod mm-hmm. and reel if you've got a 5 weight you want a 5 weight line but if you want to go a little on the heavier side you can overweight it with a 6 weight sure so.
0: yeah yeah I think I ended up settling Maybe not be the best word, but kind of a. I stick with the level line just because I, I find it to be simplest. You know, it kind of works across the board more than, you know, other specialized kind of lines, I think.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I think like one of the nice things is that with the level line, you can select that length. And if I am, say, in more of a Red Rock country, mm-hmm. I can switch my line to a pink. But if I'm more of a green, then I'll switch to the orange so I can actually get that color variation between the two and i can actually see my line cool. when i'm fishing
0: and the other thing i wanted to talk to you about is the you know the guiding that you do so you became um you, you were not a fly fishing guide before i believe but That's you became correct. a tenkara guide and you're on our website on the tenkara guide network you know so people can find that if they go to tenkarausa.com and you can type forward slash tgn for a guide tenkara guide network um how has your experience with guiding with tenkara been?
1: Guiding with Tenkara has been a really really cool experience. It has brought a lot of new people to Tenkara that they bought rods. They don't know exactly what they're doing So being able to get out and get them into that has been really cool and have them actually get into their first fish watch that smile cross their face when they when that fish hits and Then kind of watch them flail around trying to figure out how to bring that fish in is really entertaining. But the smiles and the excitement that continues from that is a super, super cool experience for me. And it's one of the reasons that I make as much time as I can to get out and take people out on guide trips.
0: Do you guide the same waters that you mentioned you like fishing uh, pretty much? Yes. Uh,
1: Yeah. And the reason that I guide a lot of those same waters is because I'm familiar with those. So when I take hypothetically you daniel out i can get you i know where there's actually fish and we're not going to go out and kind of explore together it's Mm going to be i'm going to take you where i know i can get you into fish and then i know tenkara is a what do i want to say i guess a functional system for for those locations
0: that makes sense yeah you don't want to take somebody on a wild goose chase i was taking a friend of mine foraging the other day i really this time of year I love foraging for mushrooms and uh and I told her you know like I'm exploring right now I'm learning the places and we ended up going on a wild goose chase trying to find new spots and unfortunately we didn't find any and uh, if she was a paying client I think that would be frustrating but she was totally a good sport because she's a friend <laughs>
1: yeah and you do get you know as some of my clients have discovered. We've gone to places where, particularly after the floods, we had a couple of years ago up in Rocky Mountain National Park and through Estes, we got into some holes where I thought there should have been fish, but due to the floods, mm-hmm. things kind of get wiped out. The cool part, we were able to get out and actually experience parts of the park that they weren't aware of. Mm-hmm. So, you can make a positive out of a quote negative, but
0: that's a good attitude for a guy to have you know that's
1: (laughs) you know the way i look at it to be honestly daniel is a bad day of fishing is better than a good day at work so
0: well which in this case for you would be the same thing right (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) (laughs) now what are the you know like when i'm teaching people and i think as a guide especially as a tenkara guide you're you know also a teacher big time because a lot of people might be new to the system do you have some tips that you'd You typically share with beginners uh, or even people that are experienced uh, in terms of tenkara.
1: You know I do have a couple of rigging tricks that I like to use that just uh, Make things maybe a little bit easier for people when they're not trying to learn different knots uh, A few things like that But then one of my favorite tricks to use when it comes to Sasoya or presentation is that we try and do every once in a while do a pulse where the fly just kind of bounces towards the surface of the water. A lot of people will lift their rod and they you're lifting that fly so fast and so far it's really not a natural movement. So one of the tricks that I teach people to get that pulse is actually to, while you're holding your rod, imagine that you're shaking somebody's hand and you're gently giving it a squeeze and you just kind of over a little bit of time you give it like two or three light squeezes and stop. And if you actually watch your rod tip, every time that you give it that squeeze, you'll see the Lillian bounce just a little bit. And just that little bit of bounce is actually going to lift that fly up in the water. And that's where you get a lot of, that's where a lot of people get those takes is because the fish is actually seeing that fly Mm -hmm. move through the water. Therefore, it looks like it's alive.
0: That's a good tip. You know, it kind of makes it kind of a, a rhythmic thing because if you're kind of doing the squeeze motion you kind of it makes the rod move just enough up and down at the same time kind of thing where the like flight kind of moves that's a that's a pretty good tip what about the rigging uh, what do you mean by uh, so rigging one tips? of the
1: rigging things that i use is i actually tie a perfection loop out of fly line backing onto the end of a level line mm. so that what you're doing is you just have to do a girth hitch mm. onto your lillian The reason I do that is a lot of people, particularly starting out, have not had a lot of time practicing tying Mm -hmm. the one knot or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So if you do happen to hook into a tree, which happens frequently, um, and if you do lose your your tippet and your line gets all tangled up, you're not having to try and stand there and remember Mm -hmm. what knot it was. It's just a quick girth hitch. You can rip one line off. You put another Mm -hmm. one on and you're you're yeah. back on the water as quickly as possible.
0: That makes sense, and uh, I will drop a little thing. know, Actually, Graham, you get to see our new line that we're about to release, and uh, we'll put the announcement out. So it's uh, something that kind of combines the best of the taper lines and the level lines, and one of those elements is kind of making a little bit of a loop at the beginning of it so that people can girth hitch it. It makes it a little bit simpler, I agree. Um, although my philosophy, too, is like, you know, it, it's really hard. Like, as a guide, I completely understand. Like, you don't want to be teaching a knot to somebody. I'm a rock climber and I'm a fisherman. I've been doing both equally long. Um, when somebody teaches me a new knot, it takes me forever to learn it, it seems like. Not supernatural. Just picking up how the knot works, I have to practice it. So, as a guide, taking somebody out, I would not try to teach a knot. I think the girth hitch is the right way. Uh, but, you know, if you're learning on your own, I'd highly recommend you learn the one knot, which I'm going to post on this podcast page, and practice it at home before going out. And then your time with a guide like Graham is going to be much easier, simplified as well. And the reason I do teach that is because if you were to lose that girth hitch for whatever reason or that one line, you can get more line out of a spool and you don't have to worry about like, oh, what do I do now? So that's kind of one of my main motivations but hopefully you enjoy the line that's uh i'll give you a packaged one before you leave <laughs> and, and hopefully you enjoy that and um i think uh, your clients will probably enjoy that quite a bit and for you guys listening um i think we're probably one week out we're just working on packaging right now for the new line uh, before we uh, announce it in any case talking about uh enough talking about that. I don't want to give too much away. <laughs> um, that's, uh, what about, uh, in terms of landing fish? So that's like one thing that I, I always joke that, you know, we, we, I started to say seven and a half years ago, almost, or just over seven years ago, uh, publicly anyways. And, you know, like the one thing I tell people, like in over seven years, we have never gotten a call from a customer saying, hey, I caught a fish, what do I do now? It's a very intuitive part of Tenkara. Um, do you have any tips for landing fish?
1: Yes, one of the biggest things that I see people doing is whenever they hook into a fish, the first thing that happens is that fish is running all over because of the, the flexibility and the sensitivity of Tenkara rod, that rod tip is going all over the place. So the biggest thing that I tell people is, Imagine that when that fish hits your fly, answer your phone, bring your hand up, put it next to your ear, and if you have to, break your wrist and tip Hmm. that lily in further back behind you. Hmm. The other thing that I typically suggest to people is so that you can actually get that fish closer is do what we call a hand sweep. So you're actually going out with your non-rod hand and you're literally actually doing a scoop, wrapping the line around your hand Mm bring that line in to your rod hand, slip it under your fingers, hold it down, get your hand out of the line, out of that loop that you've created, and then what you're gonna do is you're actually going to slightly release the line on the handle. Your rod is gonna extend it and it's gonna lift that fish up. Once you actually have that fish up and it's closer to you, now you can actually take your net And you can scoop that fish out of the water. Mm -hmm. If you're using a longer line, if you're using maybe a 15 or 20 foot line, then you may have to do a second hand sweep to get more mm-hmm. line in to bring that fish in close. Yeah, but that's going to that's been the quickest way. Yeah, and
0: hand sweep actually I was just uh, reviewing some photographs on uh, for the book that I'm uh, hoping to publish in a few couple of few months here. And uh, there's a sequence that I will uh, actually post this uh, sequence of photos uh, cuz I just worked on that on our uh, podcast webpage for this episode so people can see what the hand sweep kind of looks like, at least the beginning part of it. And the rest, once you grab the line, as Graham mentioned, just kind of let it go so that the tip is not bending and, you know, let it go on the upper part. And then you just kind of hand line it, you know, uh, if you have a long line. Um, pretty straightforward. Uh, the one thing that I did when I was reviewing the writing on that, uh, some I've seen it a few times where, let's say you're right-handed. It doesn't matter, actually. But if you point your rod tip to the outside of your body. So if you're right-handed, you start pointing your rod a little bit to the right, then all of a sudden you cannot do the hand sweep. So the main tip before you do the hand sweep that I like to mention is point your rod into your body. So from your right hand, you point your rod to the left, and then you can sweep with your left hand and grab the line, bring it in. But if you point it out of, outside of your body, then the line is completely out of reach, if that makes sense. And I've seen that only a couple of times, uh, maybe three or four times actually but it was actually really interesting to notice I was teaching a few folks uh, you know over the last few years and I noticed it's like why are they having a hard time landing fish and I noticed they were pointing the rod out you know away from their free hand so you want to point the rod into your towards your free hand to be able to do the sweep so I'll share that on the on, on the podcast page here and uh, you know I think this is Really good information, you know, for anybody getting started with Tenkara. And and they can keep an eye on your blog as well for hopefully new posts coming yes. up. And, uh, and again, they can find you uh, to guide both on our Tenkara Guide Network page. Uh, and I'll put the link on our website as well, but uh, TenkaraGrasshopper.com. But uh, do you have any parting shots or parting words, not shots, for why people should try Tenkara?
1: Tenkara... You should try Tenkara because it's just an awesome way to fish. And just a shameless plug, within the next month, and I promise it will be within the next month, the new version of Tenkara Grasshopper will be going live for everybody to see.
0: Cool. I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what comes out now that the babies are, you know, not uh, (laughs) quite uh, as as hard to manage. Well, I'd imagine they're still... It's hard to manage sometimes. Yeah. But.
1: <laughs> so bear with me. I know Daniel's giving me a lot of heat about this, but bear with me. I promise that eventually things will all actually fall back into place yeah. where they belong.
0: Oh, and let's plug into, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, you're doing a, F- a Father's Day fishing derby. Uh, where is that? Where can people find more information? Do you know?
1: That is actually going to be in Grand Lake at the YMCA uh, up there, and it's actually, I believe, going to be from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. I will be there with a selection of rods that people can try out. We'll have a bunch of flies that people can check out, and hopefully we can, you know, get some people into a couple of additional fish.
0: Perfect. So that's going to be June 19th, and I got a little bit of information here. Snow Mountain Ranch in Winter Park, Colorado, and uh, you can Probably You can find more information on that on our website, on the events page. Try to post the link as well. But if you're interested in learning more about Tenkara and you are uh, anywhere in Colorado and you want to do something fun, that could be a fun thing to do on Father's Day. But, Graham, thanks so much for coming up and uh, meeting and having a conversation about Tenkara. I'm sure this won't be the last episode of the Tenkara cast that we are going to do together because you're not too far away, but... uh, you know, just kind of a nice short introduction for those people that are going to be driving for half an hour. <laughs>
1: yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: really enjoyed talking to you. And for everyone, thanks for tuning in again to the Tenkara cast. And until next time on the uh, future episodes of this podcast. And as always, I want to thank my friend Nick Ogawa, also known as Takenobu, for letting us use his music, which we use in the introduction of every episode of the Tenkata cast. Nick uh, Takenobu just released a new album called Reversal, and you can find that at takenobumusic.com. This song is called Che, and I want to say that I really, really enjoyed having his music on my um, iPhone here when I travel, Tremano's music is always. So take a listen and go check out his album at talkingnowmusic.com.